punctuates it, and he creates his own offensive chance with that motor. Krejci to Coyle, and the Leafs are moved again! Hello there, and welcome back to the Ness and Bruins podcast of Nesson.com's Mike Cole, joined once again, and as always, by Logan Mullen. Logan, how are you? Fantastic. That's good. Well, ready for the snow. This sucks. Um, it's uh, we're here to talk about the Bruins, but the, if you if you would oblige me, uh, the winter as we were just discussing is is brutal. Uh, it is it's tough to take. It feels early for this. The fact that we don't have hockey amid this winter uh, crap is it's tough to take. I don't want to sully anybody else's disposition though, so I think we should get to the hockey, which is what we're here to discuss. Um, unless you have any takes on my weather takes. I don't mind the snow before yeah, the new year. Like, I, I'm okay with December snow, but once you get into January and February and March, I feel like it's just piling on, and that's when it starts to depress me. But, like, I can do snow up to the new year, and then anything after that, it's like, well, this isn't even, like, adding to the vibe for Christmas. So. I thought I was that way, and then I saw, like, 10 to 16 inches for all of Massachusetts, and I was like, yeah, this sucks, and I'm depressed. So I guess I'm, I'm not. I like that was my takeaway: is that having a white Christmas is severely overrated. I'm excited for a white Christmas. Yeah, you're you're dumb. <laughs> um. Anyway, let's talk about hockey. Uh, <laughs> we're. It does sound like uh, we're close to a return. Um, and it's weird, actually. It feels like it's been this way for for a while. Darren Drager, TSN reported. Almost a week ago, I think it'll be a week ago Thursday, uh, that they are aiming for a January 13th start with non-playoff teams returning for training camp on December 31st and everybody else returning January 3rd. I don't know how that three or four days is going to make a huge difference at this point. I think everybody's kind of on level footing here, but I guess you got to do something for those teams that haven't played since March. More window dressing than anything. Exactly. Um, so yeah, uh, January 13th, start the NHL season. Uh, what do you think about that? What do you want to see come of this? Are you encouraged? Uh, why don't you just give me your general take, Logan? Well, I'm encouraged because guys are starting to come back. Like they were saying that there are a ton of Ottawa senators and Toronto Maple Leafs back. We already know, uh, Jack Stanika's back in Boston. Uh, Kevin Miller's coming back the 26th. Those are just from, like, the variety of reports that have floated around. They're Craig already – say that again. Craig Smith is in Boston. I guess he saw Warrior for the first time today. So Yeah, I guess there are a few guys that have been around at Warrior. My guess is, like, John Moore would probably be there. I think he yeah. stays around because he has kids. Um, so the fact that guys are actually reporting says to me – that I mean, when there's smoke, there's fire, right? So, even though everything's not officially locked up yet, I can see teams and player reps saying, Look, like this is gonna get done, start coming back now so that we can sort of hit the ground running. Uh, yeah. That's just kind of my read on the situation, but I don't think guys would start reporting unless there was somebody reliable in their ear saying, like, Yeah, this is gonna happen. From what I have heard, that seems like a pretty good read on the situation uh, from, uh, from your point of view. I think everybody, 
everybody is operating under that uh, assumption and within that timeline. It kind of feels like, and it's not surprising too, because we got to a point where they're like, well, we can't really come to a new agreement on the agreement that we already came to. So let's just go back to that old agreement. Um, and then I was like, Oh yeah, I guess they're going to play like it, it all. They were dragging their feet there for a while over financial stuff, presumably and, and everything and kind of trying to rework that deal as, as we, we spoke about last time when it became clear that that wasn't going to happen. There's, you know, God bless the entire hockey bubble or world or whatever for, you know, realizing that like, well, there's a deal in place and we will just go with that. And if anybody gets screwed in this, they get screwed. That's life. We're not going to kick and scream about it, similar to what happened in baseball. So we, it does feel like we avoided all of that unnecessary drama and they're going to get a good deal of hockey compared to, I mean, if you want to do the baseball comparison, like there's going to be much more of a, a 2021 NHL season than there was a 2020 baseball season. So yeah, I mean, if you get 52, 56 games out of this season, I think everybody would be pretty okay with that. And the most exciting season in recent memory, in my opinion, up there is the 2013 season. 13, yeah. It sucks. I mean, I wouldn't want to do it as a player. Like, it's that's tough because you're going to be playing basically every other night uh, between January and, you know, end of April, I guess it would be, or into May. Um, until the playoffs start, but yeah, you got to recoup wonder, that money. Uh, yeah, and I do wonder how some of these changes will end up impacting the league going forward. So if teams start reporting to training camps on January 3rd, if the lion's share of NHL teams at least um, report January 3rd, and then the season starts 10 days later, if there end up being relatively minimal qualms about how that goes, we could – Potentially, I would guess, see uh, shorter training camps instead of taking pretty much the entire month of September. Uh, you know, the, the big issue back in the summer was that nobody had access to ice for the most part. Now guys do have access to ice, so it's a little bit different. Uh, and, and scheduling, too. The, the idea is being kicked around of doing it like baseball series where you play two or three straight games against the same team. Maybe it ends up that teams, players, what have you, like that idea. It works out well, and they decide to mess with that going forward. So I don't think this is entirely like a just throw crap at the wall season and get through it until everybody's vaccinated. I think some of this is, well, it gives us an opportunity to try out things that we otherwise might not attempt, and we'll see how it goes. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But maybe we stumble into something that would benefit the league going forward. Just looking through Twitter, Pierre Lebrun on, what is today, Wednesday? So on Monday, uh, he tweeted that uh, they're going back and forth on season protocol protocols, transition rules, and critical dates. That's his, his wording. Um, he said the hopes to have it wrapped up by the end of the week, uh, which means as soon as we get this out there, uh, there will be an agreement with actual news to, to react to. So and that this is a long way of me saying, this is a bad idea on your part to, to convene today when we could have just waited, but that's neither here nor there. So maybe it gives us another reason to meet later on. That's what it all yeah. boils down to, Mike. I'm, I'm, you know, logging off for a couple of days at the holidays and I'm going to miss seeing your sun shining face and winning personality. So I have to take every opportunity I can to see you now. Yeah, that's actually, yes. Not to get ahead of ourselves either. Uh-huh. <laughs> 
The Bruins podcast, uh, that's some Bruins podcast in current form, maybe taking a hiatus sooner than later. Um, but that's, uh, that is what they call a tease. Um, it'll be around though. I mean, people need this, so. They did, yeah. Figure it out. Well, we provide an essential service. <laughs> um, anything else on that, the, the return to play, if you want to call it that? or the... No, because it's all going to be outdated in like 15 minutes, so. We'll, yeah. we'll reconvene probably at the end of the week once I Yeah, and I don't think like a ton is going to – there's not – I mean, there haven't been a ton of developments, and like it's not like we're hypothesizing on too much. I mean, you know, you mentioned like the series stuff, but like it's not – there's not going to be like sweeping changes. You know, I guess like the arena stuff will be interesting, but it sounds like everybody's just going to operate under normal, relatively normal circumstances. I know they kicked around bubbles. I don't think that's going to happen. I think we're basically going to get, you know, what is happening in baseball and basketball and football. So, yeah, that's I what I hope. Players, I think players would be way too resistant to the bubble. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I can't blame them. I mean, I, personally, I don't think we're seeing any sort of bubble until like late stages of the playoffs if there's any risk of cases ramping up where it's like, let's just throw them all into a control environment. It'll only be two and a half weeks, and then you're on your merry way. There's a question. Okay. How like, necessary is a bubble, generally speaking? Like we're uh, almost a year into this? <laughs> I mean, it worked for the NBA and the NHL. I guess it depends on – there are few, like, there has, are, it, has not having had a bubble not worked for baseball or – So I think, that's, I think that's in the eye of the beholder, right? Because sure. if – you have the palate to say like, okay, people are getting sick, but people are going to get sick anyways, but they got through the season. If the end goal is to just get through the season, COVID be damned, then like, yeah, it's been a rousing success for the, uh, for major league baseball and the NFL. I mean, they dealt with outbreaks and have gotten through things. But if you look at it from a public health standpoint, not to say that we necessarily know that all these people are getting sick because the NFL is happening. But. So I have developing takes on this. If we went back to March, April, May of last year, we were talking about restarting. I'm sure we couched our takes quite heavily because of life in 2020 as it is saying, you know, we would like them to come back, but you gotta be. We're also soft. So we always couch our takes. Yeah. I I'm off of that. I'm all on board with playing sports. I don't care if that makes me sound like an ass. Like I, at this point I've, I have not seen enough studies that say these sports are, are, are leading to tremendous outbreaks. And if like, you know, Johnny Jones in middle of Arkansas or wherever gets to have his 13 fan, 13 person Thanksgiving, like I'm not going to worry about what's happening with the NHL when they're taking more precautions than, 95 percent of the just general popula- uh, population so right. i don't feel bad about it anymore it's just that's not a development that's not really a take it's just i feel good about myself getting to that point so if you yeah. want to call another american fine <laughs> i mean it is at an interesting place where we have become so desensitized to covid but for me it's like as long as they're not taking away testing and resources yeah. for which was the issue early on, too. Which, which I don't even have much of an axe to grind with. Like, like there's that John Shannon report about the NHL trying to get in line for the vaccine. I don't think he phrased that as well as he probably should have. I think he sent out the clarification. But at the same time, 
We live in a capitalist country. Like that is going to happen, unfortunately. Like the axe to grind with a lot of this should be at local leaders and government officials because they're not making things accessible enough for, you know, Mike Cole and Logan Mullen. Uh, we don't need to go too far down that rabbit hole. We were just about to get off of this, and I steered it right back into you talking about <laughs> capitalism. It's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Antifa Logan out. Yeah. Um, no, yeah, that's all. It all makes sense. I, maybe this is just justification at this point for me trying to feel better about wanting to have a livelihood. But, like, I, I think in the end of this, when we all look back on it, whether it's, you know, hockey or sports in general – and if you're going to sit there and say, who did the best at handling this, planning, reacting, professional sports leagues, I don't care. People aren't going to like to hear this. Are at near the top of the list. Rigorous like, testing. Yeah. Thorough contact tracing. Uh-huh. Like, by and large, outbreaks have been mitigated. Um, and, yeah, I mean, the key to all of this is rigorous testing. Yep. Um, and having access to that. I, I agree. And my thing, too, is – whether or not I agree with the safety level of it from like a pure public health standpoint, Major League Baseball got through an entire season without a bubble. The NFL is going to get through an entire season without a bubble. The NBA is at least trying. If you are the NHL, and I've said this already, if you are the NHL, you cannot get left behind. You cannot punt on this season. And so taking into account and fully acknowledging all of the different ladders that the league is walking under you still have to try and get this season done and if you're not going to do a bubble that's fine other leagues have found a way to work it out but like they've basically run out of excuses to not make it work and they will um I think they will too. on that the, you know while i'm kissing the asses of billion dollar sports league corporate coal they've saved so many jobs too in the process and oh, that's yeah. the thing. you know you talk about some of the unavoidable loss of livelihood in this entire pandemic. Um, And that's not a debate that we're going to have, but like, (laughs) if you just think about like all the, the, the tentacles of a professional sports league team player and how that, you know, I, there, there certainly have been jobs saved by professional sports. So I think it's an interesting conversation to have somewhere down the road, just the whole, this era, this like two year era is going to be fascinating to look at in retrospect, but yeah. Um, yeah, without you know, without the NHL coming back, we wouldn't have the Ness and Bruins podcast. That's show. true, which would be a real American tragedy. That a real North be. American tragedy. Precisely. Even world. I mean, I don't know. Even yeah. world, yeah. Um, all right, let's talk about the Bruins. Uh, where do you want to start here? With uh, we've got a few. You're the host, Mike. You take it away. All right, let's start. We'll go backwards in chronological order. Longest thing. Thing that happened longest ago would, I believe, be the – Noah Hannafin report? I guess so. It depends on how much you weigh how long the Mike Hoffman rumors have been around. Yeah, I guess Mike Hoffman rumors have been there since for a while. But let's just start with Hannafin. Uh, The fourth period, uh, David Pagnotta reported – this was like a week and a half ago now, it feels like. Um, He reported the the Bruins have interest in in Noah Hannafin, uh, Flames defenseman. Like, not surprising. Feels like the Bruins have had interest in Noah Hannafin since he was – 11 years old, um, you know, 23 years old, under contract for the next four years. Uh, so it would take a, ha- a haul to get him. And, you know, he's a left shot D-man, so, like, it helps replace Krug. It would take a lot, like I said, to get him. Um, the money, what's he make, $5 million, 
Um, yeah, like five and a quarter, I think. So you got to send out some 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 salary to get him. Uh, Andre Kosh's name was was mentioned as a, a potential. I guess that the Flames actually are interested in Kasha or have have seems that way, uh, according to reports. Of course, that's the purest of spitballing. Um, I don't know. What do you think? What do you think of Hannafin? I guess I. I think the idea of the player is better than the reality. Um, I think that Andre Kasha, Andre Kasha should not go in that deal. Um, at first, I kind of liked the idea, and then I thought about it for like 15 I seconds. I talked you out of it. Yeah, and I quickly – well, don't take too much credit for it. I talked myself out of it by talking to you about it. Um, but Hannah – what? Not giving me credit, but okay. <laughs> you are responsible for all of my takes. That's why we. There always, we go. That's that's why we always agree, and we just go around and around. <laughs> um, but Hannafin, now, granted, he plays top pairing minutes, so he usually gets the least advantageous matchups. But like, he's not a great five on five player. The Flames technically are a significantly better five on five defensive team without Hannafin on the ice. Um, and I, he doesn't have the offensive production to kind of back up the – he's a fine enough facilitator. He's not a great goal scorer of, like, the Tory Krug elk but, or John Carlson, but those guys also don't grow on trees. Um, but for me, the his defensive ability doesn't necessarily make up for what he gives you in offensive production. And if it's for the purpose of trading Kasha, I, I don't understand that because then you basically put yourself – if you're the Bruins – you trade Kasha, you put yourself back at square one with an issue that's plagued you for half a decade, and that's you don't have somebody on the second line right wing. Kasha, snake-bitten as he might have been in the bubble, I thought looked okay, especially down the stretch. You'd have to think with a little bit more time. I mean, Christ's sake, the guy played, what, a total of 15 games, 20 games with the Bruins last season after arriving in Boston. Um, I'd rather take my chances with Kasha than with – uh, Hannafin and Connor Ryan actually brought up a good point from Boston Sports Journal. If you bring in Hannafin, then you're going to have to leave somebody between uh, it's like McAvoy or you'd have to leave Hannafin or Grizzlick exposed most likely with the expansion draft. So it's like, are you really going to give up Andre Kasha so you can get Hannafin when the end result is you're either going to have to expose him or Grizzlick? I'm like, I don't think so. I agree, um, obviously, as we've already established. I just think, like, defense is not – and even replacing Tory Krug is not a top priority issue to fix or solve right now for the Bruins. I, I think they're still trying to build depth up front, especially on the top six, which is easy, easier said than done. There's a reason why those guys are the top six. Like, they're, they're good players. Those guys don't grow on trees. Um, so getting rid of a guy who is considered a top six guy, or at least has a potential to be in order to, to fix something that maybe doesn't need as much fixing. Yeah. Just completely makes zero sense to me. Um, is an RFA too. Like, yeah. are you really going to give up a guy that has restricted rights? Right. We might be saying the same thing. I, it, it, it's just like, it, it just doesn't seem to, to address the biggest issue. And if anything, it, it, it makes the biggest issue more difficult to solve or it adds to that issue. Um, if there's a corresponding move, maybe, um, which I guess we'll kind of get into a little bit more in a few moments, but like, I mean, I, if they make a deal for Hannafin, like that's it. I don't feel like they're, 
unless they're completely blowing stuff up a month before the season starts, I, I can't see how, you know, they, they end up making the money work to go sign somebody like Hoffman or trade for Pacioretty or do whatever you want to say. So like, I don't know. The fact that this hasn't happened yet, it tells me that it's, it's probably not going to happen. A lot less to get Mike Hoffman. Even if it requires clearing money, it will take them a lot less to get Mike Hoffman than it will Noah Hannafin. I do not think it is a shrewd long-term move to trade a guy like Andre Kasha, probably another piece to get Noah Hannafin. That's the thing with Hannafin. You're not just getting him for Kasha. Like you're gonna no, have that would not be a one-for-one. Prospects and or picks. And like, so that's the thing. If you're talking about not rebuilding, but retooling. Do you really want to be, you know, prospects and picks should be more valuable to Don Sweeney this year than they have in years past. Yeah, I agree. I think there's a way to do both here. That's the oh, thing. Oh, I disagree with that. With what? Both Hannafin and uh, – No, 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 no. Oh, I mean, Jesus no. Christ. I was talking about, like, there's ways to still go balls to the wall for one more year and also – keep an eye on the future, kind of like the Kings model for a, at least for a few years there. Well, kind Sweeney, of far, but. Sweeney's walked that line for a while. Sure. And it's which is to- why, which is why the idea of swinging a big trade does not make a lot of sense to me. Cause it, it seems so out of his general well, you, to be like, you know what future be damned. I'm going to trade and pending RFA Andre Kasha and prospects to get Noah Hannafin, who I might have to expose in the expansion draft, or is on this team, a, you know, a high-end second-pairing, mid-tier, low-tier, first-pairing guy. Like, I don't know. That, that just – it doesn't seem like a move he would do other than the fact that he's from Norwood. If there are parts of the core that Sweeney doesn't like, it makes a lot more sense. That's but. true. That is true. If that was the case, I feel like those guys probably would be gone by now. Right. You know, they've had plenty of opportunities to make deals either in season or out of season, and they just haven't done it yet. So. Well, and they have so many, like, okay, the, the DeBrusque thing had been kicked around for a while. DeBrusque was the only one I was thinking of when I was saying that. So. But he, they just got him on such a good deal. That it's like, right. why, why would you just trade Jake DeBrusque right now when you know what the upside is and you've got him on a, on a mutually beneficial deal? Um, that just, I don't know. That, the only that's, ones that, like, the only real trade chips you would consider are, like, Krejci and Rask, and you can very easily see why you wouldn't want to trade either of them, especially right. now. Like, you know, the, you've held, them on, held on to them this long. You might as well see it through, so – which is no way an advocation for trading either of them. It's just like, I can see, you know, that's where the most money is, you know, but again, like, are you going to trade your, your number one Vesna candidate goalie and your second line center when you've got enough top six issues? It just makes no sense. So. Um, unless, uh, if you want to get real tinfoil hat, unless you really like what Stutnik is doing. Sure. I don't know how you can look at what you saw last year and be like, I'm good with this. Right. The sample size is way too small. This is more a conversation for the trade deadline too. I like, I liked, I liked what I saw from Sidnika for the most part, but I just, you know, it was the the sample size is minute compared to to what you want to be looking at in that regard. Um, Yeah. So one last thing, Uh, this is from the athletic back in October. Uh, Hoffman's agent did say he was open to a one year deal. So they, that's makes all the sense in the world. I, I still feel like the more I talk about it, the more I think about it, 
that seems likely doable. I mean, then if you find a way to make that work, I don't know it would go out. It's just I haven't looked at the numbers because something would have to go out. Uh, well, yeah, you you would have to move something. I I don't know what it would December be. December 16th. Yeah. I don't know what it would be. And I know people are quick to say, like, oh, you just move out John Moore. You just trade John Moore. I got news for you. They shouldn't trade John Moore because they have no left shot defensemen. Like, John Moore is about to become your second pairing defenseman on the left side. He's about to be your third most stable defenseman, fourth most stable defenseman on the roster. And so, unless you want to roll into the season with a Grizzly, Zaboral, Vakaninen, uh, left side of your defense, you're probably holding on to John Moore. The forward group would be sick, though. The forward group would be nuts. And, and I mean, you know. But then you'd score too many goals to have to worry about defense. So. That's, I'd be curious to see how bad the defense would be because this is what the Florida Panthers just tried. They're with, with Mike Hoffman. They're like, well, we've got Mike Hoffman. We've got Vincent Trocheck, We've got Jonathan Huberdo. Our defense is garbage and they tried to make that work it didn't um so i i don't know but the bruins still have like a legitimate norris trophy candidate and charlie mcavoy a, a decent stay-at-home defenseman and brandon carlo matt Grizzlick is a very solid player like those three right there is a pretty good group you're getting kevin miller back supposedly he's healthy enough jeremy lozon showed promise like I don't know. I, and that's why I balk at the Hannafin thing too, is because there are prospects I'd rather see them try out than mortgage the future to get Hannafin. Who yeah. is only, I think he's only like 23. I know that 23. he's probably. As, as mentioned by me yes. 15 minutes ago. Yeah. Um, I got to put like Smith and Hoffman on a line. That's like, there's not enough puck to go around there. Those guys. You would have to, it would have to be like Coyle Smith Hoffman, right? That would be awesome. Just guys shooting. They would shoot so much. Their, their Corsi would be like. It would be like the Houston Rockets of the, the NHL. They'd just be like, as soon as they cross the blue lines, like Sean Cole. Yeah, just forever. <laughs> yeah. That would actually be like – Hoffman is what he is defensively, but like – Coyle and Smith can play defense. Like, that would actually be a pretty good two-way line. And then you put, what, like, DeBrusque and Kasha with Krejci on the third line? Yeah, What? so what do the lines look like if they sign Hoffman? To start the year once everyone's healthy? To, uh, once everybody's healthy, assuming they don't trade. Pay forwards. That's yeah. probably Marshawn. Bergeron, Pasternak, right, on the first so you line. Don't, so, I guess the question is you don't mess up that top line? I probably wouldn't. Um, I'd be more the, one, the one thing I would say is, like, maybe put Hoffman up there, but, like, the Pasternak yeah. with Krejci thing is better in theory than in practice. Well, how many times has it been practiced? You'd be surprised. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but they've actually got more run together than it seems like. That's fair. Um. But I'd say you probably start off trying to keep the first line. Yeah, that makes, yeah I guess it makes sense. And then, I don't know. I, now I've kind of talked myself into this puck possession monster line with uh, Coyle, Hoffman, and Smith. What about – Yeah, I mean, I can play a ton of defense. Smith, I can play a ton of defense. Smith, Krejci, Hoffman. 
Smith facilitating. Again, like Smith is a fine enough defensive player. Krejci is what he is. Um, I guess you could do that. Smith's a a left shot, right? I I believe so. I'm going to double check on that because Hoffman's a left shot. And so once again, you get. Oh, he's Hoffman, yeah. Yeah, so once again, you end up in that area where it can get a little dicey. Never mind. I don't want to do that. All right. So Craig Smith's a right shot. So you could do oh, a right shot. Yeah. Yeah. You, you could do Hoffman, Krejci Smith. Right. I got it backwards. I see. But my thing, the second that they signed Smith, my thing is long been, you're getting a very good third line forward in Smith, just an okay second line forward. So for that purpose, I'd say maybe you do Hoffman, Krejci, Kasha, and then DeBrus, Coyle, Smith. That's really good. <laughs> that that is any one of those top three lines could probably be a, a first line. Yeah, it would be a first line yeah. on some teams. It's really good. And then your fourth, you're probably healthy scratching Nick Ritchie, right? Because then your fourth line is maybe like Bjork, Coil, or Bjork, Corrali, and Wagner, something like that. Yeah, McKay. Craig McKegg, yeah. Craig Um Yeah, and, like, if you uh, – hold on. I'm checking in on something. I think um, I'm checking in on the same thing before. Yeah. Too far down the rabbit hole. Yeah. We might need to uh, – anywho, um, I lost my train of thought there. I'm sorry. That is very unprofessional. Um, <laughs> I, was, I was doing some fantastic roster building. Uh, oh, yeah. The, the idea, like, too, of having uh, Richie as, like, a healthy scratch is that, you know, you can, especially if you're playing series, if you start getting pushed around in one of these series, you can always bring him down and be like, hey, try pushing him. He's bigger. So there's just it's stuff like sound bad, but, like, that's probably what he's best suited for at this point, right? Richie is just, like, throw him in there to – I don't want to liken him to Zach Ronaldo, but, like, he's basically an impose-your-will type guy. But he's better than Ronaldo. No, I know. That's like, feeling's much higher, so that is, you know, that's enticing in that role. Like, he's fine in that role. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think I've talked myself into the Bruins being a wagon if they get Mike Hoffman. <laughs> that, again, that's why you're not trading for Hannafin. Like, that, that yeah, is – No, I agree with that. Yeah. Awesome. No, I can – like, if you're not getting Hoffman, the idea of Hannafin makes a lot more sense to me. I still wouldn't do it for the reasons that we talked about. But, like, it's – I mean, they're they're in win-now mode no matter what. But, like, Hoffman is big-time win-now mode. And Hannafin's win-now with an eye toward the future. And I think that makes sense. That's where I disagree with you is, like, I think, you know, if you believe in the player – it's an, it's nice to have somebody who's locked up long-term. Yeah, I, I don't believe in the player, so I think they'd be giving up too much for – Well, no disrespect. I don't trust your player evaluation as much as I do professional. Yeah. yeah I, I think I trust myself more. I don't even think we need to get into the Vegas stuff. No. Vegas ran into Capitol. Yeah, like shock. There we go. It's done. Um, just not going to happen. It would be awesome. I like Patch already, but that would be a unique. Uh... That would not be an eye toward the future move. No. <laughs> no. Yeah, ask, there's, there's a reason Vegas is trying to trade him now. That's a good point, yeah. Um, not that there's a problem with the player, but 
God bless Vegas. That's going to be another interesting ca- uh, case study in the long run where, like, an expansion team just loading up from the beginning, making a legit run at it, and being like, oh, now we kind of have to – there is a salary cap here. Yeah. That we need to there work. are, like, six teams over the cap right now. It's nuts. Yeah. And I bet all those teams are going to get bailed out because they're going to expand the rosters and they're going to have taxi squads and there's going to be weird-ass – uh, salary cap rules, and so Vegas is going to have a payroll of like ninety three million. Just stashing, and, and they're going to be like, "Oh, it's fine." Like they're on, yeah, they're going to have Petrangelo on the taxes. Yeah, right, exactly. You have the, the wealthiest taxi squad in the history. Of sport. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're going to have Flurry and Petrangelo on the taxi squad, getting called up every game. Um, anything else at all? No, I guess that's it. All right, we uh, we have to discuss some things offline, so uh, let's uh, let's bail on this uh, for now. I think we got more than enough uh, off our chest this week, so I think we did too. You were bemoaning the idea of doing the podcast today. Oh, well, yeah, nothing to talk about. And every time this happens, you and I start getting into it. And I'm like, no, Mike, like you know, if if we get an inch, we'll take a mile, and that is exactly what happened. We may reconvene sooner and later, too, if there's some news that comes out regarding the season. Plus, I would like to check in at some point regarding the World Juniors, which is one of my yes. favorite sporting events of the year. So um, maybe we can do that at some point next week. Sounds good. I mean, World Juniors begins on Christmas, so we'll have to do it before that. Does that? I thought I saw somewhere there was, like, exhibition games then. That might be it. I, I, whenever I Google it, it says it begins on Christmas. Oh, okay. I probably should have been a bit more thorough with that, but probably, you know, All right. um, that's, it's been fun. It has. All right. Well, uh, we'll, we'll talk to you guys later. Uh, thank you for joining us on the Thrones Nesson podcast. Um, and, uh, see you next time. Goodbye.